2: Shockingly, we're back um, for another day. From what? <laughs> it's the interesting thing, you know. Uh, we're doing this. Um, we are not not in any jeopardy of being fired, which is an intriguing thought.
1: Well, lack of interest might help. But, uh. Well, I don't,
2: we could quit.
1: Although they. Yeah, anyway. but
2: we're not nobody's gonna fire us.
1: But if, if we quit, would anybody notice?
2: Oh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, we'd <laughs> have to tree, make an the tree
1: falls. Well, if the tree falls, an yeah, area. and there's
2: nobody there and doesn't make a sound. Yes, I know we've that's heard right. that one before. Uh uh, here's a guy who uh, we have on intermittently and um always enjoy our conversations. Uh he's the president and general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland will join us today. Uh, just a couple of days after the Duncan Keith trade, and as he prepares for um, the draft and um, well, the entry draft and the expansion he's got draft. Some free
1: agents? He's got some free agents to worry about.
2: Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff to worry about. We'll talk about all of that stuff and more. Ken Holland, uh, this time on the program after these messages. It's uh, McCowan. It's Shannon once again, and uh, our friend Ken Holland uh, joins us from uh, Parts Unknown, not in Edmonton. We won't reveal where you are, Mr. Holland, out of uh, respect for your privacy. Um, you guys had a GM's meeting, uh, what, earlier this week?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, yesterday.
2: Yeah. Uh, Monday, uh, Monday,
0: Monday. My, Monday. My, it's yeah, been Monday. three days in a row, and then a, a competition committee meeting yesterday.
2: Oh, um, I, I know there's a lot of Edmonton stuff that w- that we want to delve into, and I'll let John do a lot of that. Uh, we got into a conversation a little bit, a couple of days ago. It's not a new one, but it is, it, it, it may, it may have been something that came up in your, your GM's meetings. And that is the dramatic difference between the way playoff games are officiated and regular season games are, are officiated. And we can debate the relative merits of that decision because it's been ever thus, but I'll tell you what it does do for me. It impacts mostly on the most um, highly paid and generally speaking, most entertaining players in the games, in the game today, who are suddenly not given the freedom opportunity to show their skills and to perform. Um, Let me start with this question. Uh, Did this topic come up at all?
0: Yes, it did. We, we discussed that at the uh, competition committee meeting yesterday and, uh, with Stephen Walken was on the, on the line as well, or on the, on the, as part of of the meeting. All
2: right. Well, let me ask you bluntly, what's your take on this, on this issue? Do you think this is something that should be addressed?
0: Well, yes and no. I think first off, um, you know a, a big push here at the general managers meeting at the competition com- committee meeting was on cross checking and um you know stricter standards and trying to um you know get more of a, a specific areas that we would like to limit 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 cross checking and i think all these things that we that we've tried to do at the league level over the last number of years you know the hooking of the hands when somebody's got the puck and you have a stricter standard there um, now we're trying to get a stricter standard on, on cross-checking, uh, obviously over the last 10 to 15 years, a much stricter standard on, uh, at the supplemental discipline level and, 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 um, you know, more, more, more goes on. So we're changing the, the way, um, the, the players play the game, but I do think forever and ever come playoff time. <clears throat> There's always going to be less space. I, I I think it's 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 all the players on both teams understand the importance of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They back check harder. Um, they finish checks. There's, I think there's uh, there's there's a little more physicality come playoff time. So I think that yes, on one hand, that we want to do some things, and I think this cross checking um, will will help. You know where where you people are standing around, and and you just come up and you cross check or you multiple cross check things like that will be eliminated from the game, but it's always going to be tough come playoff time for all players because of a greater commitment to team defense, more focus from the coaching staff. And, and you always hear the word, take their space away, take their space away, take their space away. I don't think that that's ever going to change. I think that's going to be part of the playoffs forever and ever.
2: Kenny far be it for me to disagree with you, but, but, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make here is the officials, put their whistles away during the playoffs. They call less. It is statistically a valid point. And um, it is a cross-checking? Yeah, that was one of the things that was happening over and over again during the playoffs this year. But it was hooking. It was holding. It was interference. It was all kinds of things that are penalties during the regular season that historically have not been called penalties um, during the playoffs. And I mean, I, I would think a team like yours would be as uh, impacted as much as anybody else given for no other reason, two of the highest skilled players in the game play for your team. And, um, the opposition is given, uh, provided liberties that they are not provided during an 82 game regular season. Your response.
0: Well, that question was posed to Stephen Walkham yesterday and he, you know, the, the direction to the officials, the on ice officials, is the same as it is in the regular season. Um, do I think that, that, that they do? Did you say they put the whistles away? I think some days they do. I don't know if that happens on, on an every night basis. I, I think there's, 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 a, there's an element of there's two things in play. Number one is what I said a greater commitment to defense, a greater commitment to taking space away a greater commitment to physicality by teams in the playoffs. And then, and then uh, combined with that is, does the referee's standards, do they, is there a little more allowed um, come playoff time? And probably so because, because the stakes are greater. So I think, I think you'd like to tight, we'd like to tighten it up, but I'm going to get back to again. And I, you know, I think what what you know, reflecting back on my time in Detroit, and you reflect back on all these teams that win the championship. Part of being a Stanley Cup champion is 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 adjusting to the hockey that I've just talked about. is it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 harder hockey. It's it's you know it's I just think in every it's 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 harder hockey. It's it's uh, less space, um, more physical, and certainly at, at times and games would you like to see Um, the standards, the standard tighter. Absolutely.
1: You know, for for the longest time, even in the NHL referees casebook, there there was always a belief that you were, you would allow a defensive player, at least one good solid cross check. And then he would, if he would probably be called on the second, do you, do you think that will change Kenny? Will they be, will there be more single calls or more cross checks called on single cross checks?
0: Well, I mean, we talked about cross-checking, you know, John, you know, cross-checking obviously is probably arms extended. You know, you you come from your body and you, you, you extend your arms and then, and then the, the amount of force that's, that goes with that. So, you know, I, you know, it's, 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 it's not an easy, you know, we, we, we got the general managers in advance of the general managers meetings, got 40 clips to look at. And we were supposed to, you know, do we think it's a cross-checking penalty? Do we think it's not a penalty? And, or do we think it's an other penalty, you know, interference mm-hmm. or something? And many of these um, examples, there was 50-50, you know. So I've had to look at it multiple times. I've looked, I got to look at it slow motion. If I wasn't sure, I punched rewind. And, and at the end of the day, um, out of 32 general managers, you know, many of them are 52, 48, or you know, or some of them. So, you know, there's these one-minute penalties. I mean, I call them one-minute penalties. And some nights a, a ref's going to call a one-minute penalty a penalty, and some nights a, a ref's going to let let those one-minute penalties um, go. It's you know, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of the players in the National Hockey League. They all don't have the same skill set and the same mindset, and I think it's probably I'm, I'm assuming it's probably similar similar on referees. So. Um, You know those players. You know, again, there's certain situations. You know, if you you cross check somebody once, you might you might be it might be a defensive play. But if you cross check them multiple times, I'm not going to put a number on because it depends on the force that goes with it. If it's just just little little weak pushes, and it's a it's a it's it's a fine line between a push and a cross check. You know, you're probably going to get away with more if you give two or three real good. arm fully extended you're 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 going to go to the penalty box where maybe in maybe last year uh you wouldn't have gone to the penalty box especially on those scrums in the corners you know where you're trying to box somebody in and there you see somebody cross-checking somebody multiple times to keep them in the box so that they can't they can't get get away so i think that um you know it was, an, it, it was a great exercise again it's not a rule change i think it's just a stricter it's a it's, it's going to be a you know, it's going to be called be called stricter, and I think ultimately it's going to be good uh, for our game and good for the skilled players because uh, you know certainly we want the front of the net to be hard. Like there's got to be an element of hardness to the game. It can't be just summer hockey where you float up and down the ice and nobody's back checking. And you got all kind of space and it's a three on two game. I think people, I think fans like to see you know physical hockey and hard hockey and and battles uh, in the corner for the puck and battles in front of the net and good legal open ice uh, body checks. I think that's an element of our, of our game that uh, the fans like and I think the players like too. So um, it's, it's, it's a hard game to referee. Um, the referees have to make those decisions in in, in in real time within a split second. And like I said, we, we show these examples and, 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 and we're 50-50 and we're looking in slow motion you know multiple multiple times and we we're still unsure it, it speaks to how difficult it is to to make these decisions in real time in a moments in a moment's notice
2: i i have the utmost respect for you and um, um i i appreciate your sentiments on this um i just i i think i think the general managers in this league are missing the point and that is the perception on the part of the fan in general is that the referees put their whistles away and do not call the game in the playoffs the way they do in the regular season. It is as simple as that. And it isn't specifically cross-checking or any other specific, um, um, Mm. penalty. And, um, it's hard to understand. Um, when the game, I you know I get the I I I get everything you said and everything you said is true it's far more intense it's far more committed def- defense is is far more important during the playoffs all of that is true but there just seems to be no doubt that these ref the referees either instinctively or by design don't call the games the way they do during the regular season now if that's okay with the general managers of the National Hockey League who am I to argue but from a fan's well, I perspective,
0: guess, I, I, I think we want penalties call. If, if there's a foul, we want we want a penalty call. So I mean, I think I think that that's the and, and again, you know, I watched the playoffs like you did. You know, there were some nights this year, some games um, in the playoffs that I thought the standard was not tight enough. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought many nights the the referees did a good job. So. You know, I, certainly we want to have a, a good job on an every night basis, um, and I'm sure that that's 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 ultimately what what we as a league uh, are 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 striving for.
2: Well, one thing we can't argue about is the fact that repeatedly players, when asked about this during the course of the playoffs for many years, but certainly this year, used a phrase, and I'm paraphrasing here. It's hard to know what you can and can't do because the players perceive that the game is called differently and they don't know what is legal and what is illegal, what's going to be called and what isn't going to be called. And if the players don't know, I don't know how those of us sitting at home uh, watching can figure it out in any event that aside, uh, because, uh, you know, I understand this is, you are one of 30, uh, guys sitting in in the room, 32, uh, sitting in a room, um, trying to assess all this and, and the onus does not fall on you, uh, alone. It is, it's is just a conundrum that I have never been able to in 40 years, get a straight answer to. Um, let's talk a little bit about the move you made just a few days ago, the Duncan Keith, uh, acquisition. Um, you came out fairly strongly uh, when there was and inevitably, there is going to be controversy over any trade. Um, Give me your thought process in in this acquisition of a player who is you know not a young player um, Should we assume it speaks only to uh, a win-now philosophy that you have?
0: Well I think I mean I, you know obviously when you look at the core of our team, uh, Bob we have to be in a win-now mentality. Um, you know I, you know Connor's 24, Leon's 25, Darnell's 26 New just 20, 28th and and, um, and we they want it they all want we all want to have more success um, so you know I think that you know you know it was it wasn't something that we we I made the decision on you know over the course of a night or two it really went on for probably I don't know maybe almost three weeks since you know middle to late June when Stan Bowman called me to tell me that um, Duncan Keith was requesting a trade to go out west and you know we were a team that uh Duncan was very interested in. Um I ended up talking to all the people in my organization, Dave Tippett, Jim Playfair, you know, my coaching staff, Ken Hitchcock. You know, we had our pro scouting meetings actually just just right about that point in time we were all together. We were talking about what we wanted to do with our with our team. I I you know early June, I'd been have my exit interviews with all, with every player, you know, on the younger players in the exit interviews. Um, I tell them the things that they need to, uh, that we're looking for them to do before we go to camp. The veteran players, I listen. They tell me um, what they think about the team and they give me their perspective and the things that they think that need to, to happen. So based upon, you know, Gathering information from our from our, from our leadership group, the players on the ice, Ken Hitchcock, um, Dave Tippett, Jim Playfair, the analytics, uh, Jim, uh, the, the guys that we've got, uh, Justin Mahi, that, that does the analytics, uh, Archie Henderson and his pro scouts, uh, Keith Gretzky, and ultimately I have to make a decision. Um, after going through that whole process, you know, like I said, it's almost probably a three-week process. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a decision to. Uh, to do the deal
2: that uh, that, that we did. Um, one, one more quick keeps, one, John. Impact. Go ahead. Okay. No, well, I no, just no. wanted to, on, the, on that point, and, and you come back to Gretzky, um, how much of this would you say of your decision uh, to make this move was Duncan Keith's ability to play at age 38, and how much of it is Duncan Keith's presence on the ice and in the room for your team which you know on one hand you could say you're ready to win on the other hand you could say well you can always use somebody who knows how to win and who has done it
0: well see i don't think it's i don't think personally it's one it's one it's just look at analytics and, and that and that oh shoot no you're okay Very lost it no, I, you're coming I, I don't think I, yeah, sorry. I don't think it's just look at analytics. Like to me, it's an all-encompassing package. Certainly, the most important is what we feel Duncan Keith can do on the ice. That's number one. Okay. Um, and I I think his role is going to be a little bit different in Edmonton than it was in Chicago because of Darnell Nurse. Obviously, we've got a left shot defenseman that's in the prime of his career. That 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 eats up the most is going to take up the biggest responsibility and eats up the most minutes. So Duncan Keith is going to have a secondary role and not a primary role. Um, then th- then you you know you factor in and I can't put nobody can put um, numbers on 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 the impact that Duncan Keith, a veteran player, has. Um, to the rest of your team not only to the players that he's playing with his his you know his role in the locker room um you know i watched mike smith his relationship with with the young core spending time with him a veteran you know a 39 year old veteran goaltender you know i think you know i, I looked look this year and you look at montreal Canadiens going to the stanley cup finals and 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 uh, you know Shea Weber at the age of what are thirty five or thirty mm-hmm. six and you know the the impact that veteran players can have, and then I reflect back on my time in Detroit, and I understand it's a it's a new world, uh, you know, and it's that's old that's old news, but the the impact that veteran older veteran players had on on our team in Detroit and helping us. Uh, um, have success um, through all that through all that information through my own experiences through my you know my gut instinct um, through through not only our own information talking to other people around the league I I talked to some people that had played you know with Duncan Keith I, I, I know Dave Tippett talked to some people Ken Hitchcock talked to some people when we gathered all that information um, when I gathered all that information I felt that, and then, then I went to work with Stan Bowman. And, and if you look at, you know, obviously, you know, Caleb Jones is a young defenseman that's, you know, 23, 24 years of age. He's still trying to get into the lineup full-time in, in Edmonton. And we've got, you know, we have a left-shot defenseman, Broberg, who's 19-year-old, who's a top prospect. And we've got Sam Marukov, who's a young prospect. And Darnell Nurse is 26. And, and Bouchard, a young defenseman on the right side, is uh, is 21 or 22 and, and Ethan bear is 21 or 22 so certainly we have a lot of younger defensemen um, and you add a third round pick to that so you make I make the trade to acquire Duncan Keith and you know obviously I think a lot of the 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 um, the debate you know after you make that's the beauty of our sport is any sport is that 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 people fans get to to decide if you've done a good thing or you've done a bad thing you know certainly taking on all the cap um, it's, it's 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 I, I understand uh, it, it's a bigger cap number but if he comes in and plays to the to the level that I believe he can play as a second pair defenseman um, and impact our team in a positive way in the locker locker room provide leadership and also if the move has our players believe that we are, you know, tr- our legitimate playoff team again, and we're mm-hmm. trying to make some noise, then then it's going to be a great trade. Obviously, if, if Duncan Keith, it's like anything, if a player doesn't matter if the guy's t- 37 or 27, if they don't play to the level that, that you pay them at, it's, it's a bad contract. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what age the, the player is at. But Duncan Keith is a guy that's, He's 37. He's committed to fitness. Uh, he's very serious about his business. Um, he's, he's, he's respected in the locker room. Um, last year, he was the number one defenseman in, in, in minutes played, a time on ice uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. They were in a playoff race up until probably the last 10 or 15 games, and then they fall, fell out of it. It's not like they were you know, they were way out of the race and it was, you know, but they, they were in the race. So when I factor in, I take in all, all that information. I eventually decided to make the deal.
1: With the, with the the cap hit that's over $5 million. How confident are you that it doesn't handcuff you trying to do other things this summer?
0: Well, first off, John, I believe he's going to play in a top you don't have duncan keith i'm gonna have to pay force in the fours to get a top four defenseman. They they, they don't play for a million bucks you know right. so so if you don't have duncan keith i've got to take four four and a half million dollars to market and go get another top four defenseman so it's it's that's 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 what top four defense would make they make they make four plus if you if you're if mm-hmm. you're a legitimate top four defenseman, you make you make you make four plus so if, if, if I don't have Duncan Keith, I got five and a half million dollars, but I got to go fill a top four spot and four to $5 million anyway is going into that spot. Now I factor in, you know, his resume and his leadership skills and what, what kind of an impact can he have on the other players on the team? Um, you know, factor into the, into the decision. Do I have money left over? Yeah. But, but the reality is John in a cap world, you know, you, you, the money goes fast. The the, the, yeah, the money goes fast. I mean, it's that's it's eighty one point five, but you have a few few high priced players, and then you gotta you gotta you gotta have lots of ch- cheaper players uh, on the bottom part of your roster to, to 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 fill out your team. So, do I have some money? Y- yeah, but if if I didn't have Duncan Keith, I'd, I'd have a, a top four spot open, and I'd have to use the money and vote and get a top four defenseman. That that that, in my opinion, they're in the four. If you're paying a top four defenseman in the ones and the twos you're probably getting what you pay for it. So Duncan Keith, again, was the number one defenseman of the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't have to talk about what his, what his, what his resume is. I know he's 37. I had a lot of success in, in Detroit with uh, older players. I look at the Montreal Canadiens and the impact that some of those uh, older players had. They, they know how to play. They, they, they know how to play. And, and Duncan Keith is a veteran. He's got savvy, he's got poise, and and I believe he's going to come. I know he's motivated, he's going to come in, and I believe he's going to have a, a real positive impact on our team.
2: John, I know you got more. Uh, so do I. Uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, come back with uh, Kenny Holland after these messages. Bob McCown, it's uh, John Shannon. Ken Holland is uh, with us. John, I'll let you jump back in here because I know um, – you had uh, some other things you wanted to say.
1: Well, just so what does that do for? I mean, I know Oilers fans are apoplectic all the time, Kenny. So don't worry about it. But uh, what does that do to Adam Larson and and uh, and to Tyson Berry?
0: Well, right now um, Adam Larson's deciding what he wants to do with his with his future. Um, you know, I don't believe it's money related. I think he just has, is is going through a process to decide if he. Would like to resign with Edmonton, or if he wants to go to the open market. So certainly that's 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 in my uh, in my mind, and I think that you know, in Tyson Berry, I've had a couple of conversations with his agent, Pat Brisson. Um the dilemma a little bit. I think the hometown dilemma is we feel we've got a really good young defenseman in um, in Evan Bouchard, right. and if if certainly if I re-sign um, Tyson Berry then the real and, and you resign, uh, you resign, uh, you know, if it was Barry and, and, and Larson coming back for sure. One of those young kids then has to be, there's no, there's no playing time. Somebody has got to go. So oh. I think that, uh, you know, Bouchard is, is a guy that provided a, a ton of offensive junior hockey he's the 10th overall pick in the draft. Uh, he, uh, he scored 30, 40, 40 points thereabouts as a, as a freshman, first year player in the American hockey league. So, you know, if if, if I'm going to sign up uh, Tyson Berry long term, obviously that's going to have an impact on the potential for Tevin Bouchard. So those are all the things that are factors that that, that were that right. were considerations as we as we as we make these moves.
1: And 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 Oscar Clef, Clefbaum, any word on what's going to happen there? Do you do you think he's going to come back and play?
0: I would say to you, he's definitely not playing hockey in 21 22. Um, wow. We had a Zoom call on Monday with Clef. Um, Dr. Naidu, our team doctor, and uh, TD Force, our head athletic trainer, and last week Dr. Naidu uh, talked to Dr. Miniachi in Minneapolis, who performed the shoulder surgery on on, on cleft. and basically, um, you know, his, his rehab is going to go probably to late September, six months, which is late September, around October the first. He hasn't done any training really whatsoever since about uh, September. He was in pain in September through through January, and he went through the process to decide to uh, eventually have the surgery. Um, you know, so you're going to be talking about come come September October, a professional athlete that that's coming off of a major shoulder surgery and hasn't trained for a year. Um, so I think the reality is it's probably three four five months of 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 of, of, of hard. Uh, rehab and training before you th- he could even get to the point to decide um, if, you, if he can or wants to play hockey again. So you're basically running off the 21-22 season, and he needs to decide uh, if he wants to come back and play uh, for the 22-23 season.
2: Yeah, the shoulder injury is a tough one because you're you're constantly exposed to the potential of re-injuring it. And my understanding is, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, that um, the procedure that he had offers no guarantee of a hundred percent, uh, recovery, does it?
0: No, you're, you're, you're it was a radical, uh, surgery that was done. Um, you know, his shoulder had, a um, was, 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 was beat up and it's been really, you know, he's, it's been something that he's been battling since he's been 18 or 19. I think he separated his shoulder. Um, and it, I remember, I think his draft year. And, right. you know, he's, he's played, uh, played in a lot of pain over the last few years. Uh, I think he had to take, you know, painkillers on a regular basis. He decided he didn't want to live like that anymore. I mean, he made it very clear that, uh, you know, he's been uh, over the last couple of months, um, he's been able to sleep, you know, he's been able to, you know, sleep on that shoulder for the first time in probably years. Um, and he, he's not living in day-to-day pain and his, you know, I think the first order of everybody, you know, is it's it's so he's, you're going to want to be able to live the rest of your life, you know, pain free. So that's the first order of business for Clef. and then somewhere down the road in, in the next, uh, you know, six to nine months, I think he has to decide if he wants to wants to be all in to uh, to hit the gym every day and and go through that process to try to get himself ready to play hockey for the 22-23 season. But that's down the road, yeah, uh, a ways.
1: Great. So the seventeenth, the seventeenth of July is when you have to put your list in uh, for the expansion draft. How has this exercise and what the process has been in trying to deal with Ron Francis as opposed to dealing four or five years ago with uh, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee?
0: Well, I was fortunate in De- in in in, uh, in Detroit that we basically had the seven three and one, John, and, and they ended up uh, Vegas picked uh, Thomas Nosek, who's been a really good you know, I think bottom, you know, bottom six, fourth line player for, uh, um, for Vegas, but it was, you know, we, I didn't have to pay assets and we submitted our list and uh, it's the same, it's the same go around here. Uh, um, you know, on Saturday, we submit our list. We're going to submit a seven, three and one list, seven forwards, three defensemen and a goalie. And then we'll let, uh, we'll let's see, yeah, we're going to lose somebody. So we'll let them yeah. uh, Ron Francis decide which player he wants to take off of, off of us. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go forward.
2: Um, are you inclined to have a conversation with Mr. Francis, um, and try and negotiate something that would allow you to in some way, shape or form, protect an additional player, or are you committed to the seven, three, one and and that's that.
0: Yeah, that's that. I mean, I, I feel comfortable at the seven, three and one, we're going to protect the players that we want to protect. And, um, um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're, I mean, everybody loses a player. So I'm, I'm comfortable yeah. that with the, with the player we lose at, uh um you know we we won't we'll say we can afford to lose but we have to lose a player and and uh, i I'm, I'm comfortable that the players that we want to protect we will be able to protect Ron francis can pick a player and then and then we'll get we'll get back to business
1: so uh, the, the other aspect of your hockey club is what are you going to do about your goaltending uh, i mean you, dylan wells you traded uh, to carolina uh, but I'm not suggesting he was going to be your answer next year, anyway. But uh, wh- where where do you consider where your goaltending is right now?
0: Well, I've been. in – you know, first off, you know, it, it, you know, I would say to you, and I've been here now for two years, and you know, I think that over the two years, um, our goaltending has been, it's been it's been very it's been very solid. You know, mm-hmm. I think that. You know, it, certainly um, probably in the bubble against Chicago in the playoffs, um, our goaltenders didn't play as well, but over the, the, the two seasons, um, you know, I think Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen have given us good goaltending. Now, I think the you know, concern is one's 39 and one's 33. So uh, I am having conversations about Mike Smith coming back. Uh, he had a great year. Um, he did and, and again he should have only, been a
1: Vezina finalist you know Kenny he should yeah. have been a Vezina finalist
0: yeah and then not only not only did he have a great year you know his ability to handle the puck you know i think he might be the best puck handling goaltender in the National Hockey League and then you factor in his leadership skills and he's just you know he's 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 a role model and he's a, he's got a, he's 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 been around the game for a long time he's 39 years of age he's got a real positive impact on her team so so I am talking to, uh, to Mike Smith about uh, trying to find um, a solution to, to, to bring him back.
2: Uh, only a couple of more minutes, and I, we wanted to talk very briefly at least about where, where you think we are at in terms of Beijing and the Olympics. Um, I know that you have a role in this process, although not the decision-making uh, role. Should the NHL be going?
0: Well, I you know that's not my decision to make, Bob. I think, you know, I, I'm on, I'm I'm as part of the general ma- I'm, I'm part of the um, management team of, of 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 Team Canada. You know, Doug Armstrong's the general manager. We've been having uh, you know regular meetings over the last uh, month. Excuse me, the last since the start of the season, since the middle of uh, January, every month we have a we have a meeting to, to go over players so, you know, if 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 if, if NHL players are going um we're ready. You know, we've been we've been evaluating players. We've been having meetings. We've been talking uh, about about philosophy. But in terms of whether we should go or we shouldn't go, you know, that's that's above my pay grade. I think uh, I, I I can I, I understand I understand the reasons why we shouldn't go, and I understand the reasons why why it makes great sense to go. I, I know that the players love to go. It's a great tournament. I'm fortunate enough to have been there in 2010 in Vancouver and 2014. You know, it's it's best on best for for two weeks. It's, it's it's great for fans to uh, to watch uh, the tournament with the greatest players in our sport representing their um, their countries but certainly I understand there's a business component to this decision and and, and, and as we all know whether you, the job that you guys are doing the job that I'm doing business is going to uh, to, to, to make decisions as to uh, a lot of times as to what you do and, 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 and you don't do because uh, the economics is is, is, is why why well, you guys are doing what you're doing, and I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. But but certainly, if we go, I mean, it's a fabulous it's a fabulous tournament. But certainly, if we don't if we do don't do not go, I certainly understand why. But it's not my decision to make.
2: Uh, anything else from you, Mr. Shannon? No, I think we uh, I think we covered it
1: all. When you consider that uh, if you if we mention players on other teams before the 28th of July, Kenny get gets a million dollar fine for tampering. So. Well, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, well it's a ch- it's chump change for holland but that's the story
2: for another day yeah, it was
0: the money you guys are paying me for this show i mean i would, put that towards the i'll put that towards the fine all
2: okay, right all right <laughs> we just conceded we're not going to get you in trouble you don't have to get bitter about your fee yeah. now. <laughs> uh you know where we we greatly appreciate the time yeah. you afford us um, i love
0: you uh, guys yeah you guys do a great job Appreciate well, your passion
2: we thank you and uh, we uh, uh, have a safe rest of the summer and uh, straight I know,
1: Kenny I, I know straight. you got,
2: yeah I know you got lots to do too so uh, before yeah, September yeah, okay. rolls right. next, around.
0: then a big month the next the next next two three weeks big month for everybody in our sport and then uh, kind of downtime in August and then uh, back out in September
2: We'll uh, we'll bug you somewhere down the road if we can okay thanks, Thank you, you mr. Holland Take care. thanks Bye. Ken Holland back after these messages. So our thanks to Kenny Holland for uh, joining us, the president, general manager of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Well, you're smiling. Why are you smiling?
1: Oh, I, I just, I, he, you know, Ken's one of those guys, and I, I, I've known Ken, gosh, a long time. I, I love having conversations with him because he, he makes you think. And, and he's also, he also gives, tries to give you a background on uh, an explanation of why he did things. Uh, and, and how things are supposed to proceed. And, you know, he's one of those guys, as the season goes on, Bob, if you sit beside him having a beer, uh, he will have this full schedule in front of him and tell you exactly how many points he expects to make the playoffs. He keeps an eye on all of this stuff. He's you know, his team was eliminated in four games, but I, as he mentioned, he watched the playoffs every night. He, he is fully committed to uh, making the game better, not just for, him, for his own team, but for, uh, for the NHL a, a, as a whole. And he's a pure hockey guy. And it's always fun to listen to pure hockey guys. He's, he spent a lot of time with Scotty Bowman. And I don't know if you listen and hear it. I hear a little bit of Scotty Bowman in, in Ken Holland at times.
2: I hadn't thought about it. Um, I'm not going to react off the top of my head. I'll have to think about it a little bit. I will say this. Look, I have the utmost respect for Ken Holland and, and I, I wouldn't slag him in the least, but I really, I really do not understand the defense of the officiating and the change in officiating that exists every year when the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: Uh, but I, I mean, it's I think unlike I think he... any
2: sport, no sports like no. it. It doesn't I, I happen anywhere the... else. It...
1: I think without saying it, I mean, I, I, and not putting words in his mouth, but uh, I think the fact that he says that teams teams change the way they play, therefore officiating changes the way it works. Uh, I think that was pretty, if you read between the lines, I think there's, for the most part, uh, an endorsement of what's gone on. Officiating.
2: I understand officiating is mostly grey, but this issue is black and white. You cannot... You cannot make the argument that officials conduct themselves during playoff games the way they do during 82 regular season games. You just cannot make that argument. And it does not happen in any sport. This conversation does not happen at World Series time, It's Super Bowl time. Are there bad calls? Of course. Are there missed calls? Yes. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a deliberate, conscious attempt to change the way the game is played, and it's it's done based on historic preference. It's been this way forever. Therefore, it's going to continue to be this way. And I think it's a bunch of puppycock because what it does is it does impact the skilled players. I watch the playoffs because I want to see the best players in the world do the things that they do during 82 games, and they aren't allowed to. I don't care about the slugs. Uh, grap grappling with each other, that's a really no consequence to me. But a yeah. penalty is a penalty, or it's not. And and the fact that general managers look at a videotape and, as Kenny says, half of them think it was a penalty, half of them don't. What's the, the relevance?
1: There's a well. I think it's. I think it's from the league perspective. Is hey, listen, this is. It's just proving to them on a regular basis how difficult it is to call, make calls one time in re, in real time. The the, the other. The is other it harder in the is, playoffs
2: than it is during the regular season? I I th-
1: I, I think it is, and I think no. that's what Kenny was trying to say. No, I think I I, I think I, Kenny was with the intensity of the game. I think it is more difficult. But the, cannot... the interesting thing is right, the, the, after the man. No, but after the managers meeting the competition committee meeting is not just general managers, members of the players association are there. Uh, and, and in addition to league people and, and a couple of managers, including Kenny. And I think that if, if it's the, the competition committee with the players voices being heard saying, Hey, listen, we got to be a better job of it. I, I fully expect that there will be an attempt to try to call it closer to what, you know, the, the, the printing in the rule book says, uh, it, 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 it's, but it's, it's going to be hard because of the, that, that, as you talk about the cultural human nature of reverting back to, well, that's how we've always done it in the playoffs uh, and, and you'll have to, you will have, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, well until somebody,
2: till somebody from the league, Bettman Daly a couple of general managers stand up and say, yeah, it's different. Yeah. We do call it differently. And this is why we do it. like at least stand up and explain to me why mm-hmm. you think this is a good idea because guess what two of the most exciting players in the national hockey league play for the edmonton oilers and they got extricated from the playoffs in four straight and none of us got an opportunity to watch their yeah, skill set i'm not sure that we were i'm not sure it was because of officiating that they well, got i'm not sa- i'm not saying that necessarily I know, I know, either know, in a specific know, sense I know, I know. but this happens over and over and
1: over again yeah Anyway, well, as as the as the commissioner told Ron McLean, this is the ultimate team sport. It takes twenty players to win, not
2: just one or two. Well, that's a pile of crap too, because the same is true for the National Football League, and 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 the same is true in baseball. And the I'm same just is telling you what the commissioner soccer. said. No, you're not. You're trying to preach that that he's that there's something unique about this sport. It's no different than any other sport. Whether you got five people on the on the playing surface, six people, nine people, 11 people, what, however many you have out there, all of them have some level of import. And you don't win oh, with one no, or two. no doubt about that. There's, you don't win no with one or two. You win that. with a whole bunch. I get it. But it's the same everywhere. Yep. And they um, don't change the rules and the way the game is called. Okay. This league does. Okay. And I don't understand it. Um, on that okay. note... I'll take a pill and, uh, you have a nap. You look fatigued. Um, and I we'll do come not, I do. We'll... I think I look pretty good. Yeah. Would you like a second opinion? Uh, we'll come <laughs> back with more tomorrow. Um, until then a fond ado. goodbye, everybody.